morning, everybody. Hope everybody's well. Happy Monday for those that are here live. Uh, for those that are here any time of the week, thanks so much for being here. This is going to be the last show before we go on our little holiday break. Tonight begins the holiday of Sukkot. Um, that's going to last for a little bit. It's a, I think it's the longest holiday of the year, believe it or not. Um, so that will um, take us, I think, till the following Thursday. So for the, just as a public service announcement, we'll be off until next Thursday. So it's a little bit of a break. Um, we were talking about the idea of energy. We've been on this, we've been on this kick for a little bit um, because it's really important, I think. Where we left off last time was this idea of losing the energy. And this is really what I want to talk about today. And it's relevant for those that are going to be celebrating the holiday. Because the holiday, and again, even if you're not, it's still relevant. The holiday really is a holiday of happiness. Sukkot, which is the holiday we're up to right now, is, is really a holiday built on the concept of happiness. So I want to just delve with you a little bit so we understand how this all sort of connects. We spoke last time about the idea of perspective. Perspective is, the, is really the channel in which your energy comes out. the channel in which your natural energies, if you will, the soul, the spiritual power that you have comes into the world, comes through the mechanism of your mind. It's not your memory. It's not your subconscious. It's your perspective. And you know it because you feel it. And we spoke about this, mm -hmm. right? You're on and then someone triggers you and you're off and your energy drops. And the more we're aware of it, the more we can deal with it. And when we spoke last time, this concept of never letting your energy drop. Remember, Sean McVeigh and Jared Goff understands that if his energy drops, it's worse for the team, even though he threw a bad interception. There's an obligation, a, a spiritual, believe it or not, is a rabbi named Nachman. And he said something that seems to be very... Um, like I spoke last time, Bob Marley-ish, which is be happy. My rabbi in Israel, Rabbi Levi, really pushes us like crazy, which is, which is shocking. Because you wouldn't think that in the world, the spiritual world, really of the top missions and, and, and initiatives that, that someone needs to take is the process of being constantly happy. But the more you delve into it, the more you understand why this is such a spiritual imperative. How else can you get your soul to the world? How else can you bring you to the world if your perspective isn't strong? If you're down, if you're disempowered, if you're angry, if you're upset, how else are you going to make a difference in the thing that is now in front of you? And so what happens many times is that as God runs the world, what, what comes up in conflict is the way the world runs and the way we see the world run. So when you wake up in the morning and you go through your day, there's a certain perspective that you have of what you expect from the world. You see people and expect certain things. We have a bias. This is called the comparison fallacy which when we see somebody else, 
We don't see that person. We see that person vis-a-vis us. So therefore, you're not seeing your wife. You're seeing the parts of your wife that is her, but as if she was you. So let's assume your wife gets tired more than you get tired, or your husband gets tired more than you get tired. When they're not doing something that they should do, right, in the husband-wife world, you look at them and go, wait, 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 why aren't you doing that for? Why are you worried about that? Why does that bother you? Why are you anxious about that? I'm not anxious about that. And so in our world, we have what's called the comparison fallacy. We compare people wrong. We compare other people to who they are based on who we are. And we only look at the few things that make us different. We don't look at the tons of other things that make us different, like their background and their exhaustion levels and their anxieties and their hangups and their, how they grew up and how they see the world. No one does that. I see me and I understand me. And then I look at the world and I, and all I do is take the pieces of the world that relate to me and then assume that what's behind those pieces is me. Why don't they get this? I get it. How come they don't see it my way? I see it my way. This is so clear. What is wrong with people? How many of you, have you, how many of you heard this? What is wrong with people? That means lots and lots of people because I see something clearly. So I assume that in their heads is me. They're just choosing to not listen to the latest thing in my brain because if they did, it would connect. The world must know what I need and the world must know what I'm thinking. So when I wake up in the morning, the more that my boss, I thought, was thinking about my issues last night when he went to bed because they're my issues. What else would he be thinking about? So when I came into work the next day, why isn't he talking about what I need? Right? My kids, right? Are my kids adults in little bodies? Like, why are they not listening to me? Why aren't they cleaning up? Like, it's a mess. How come it doesn't bother them that their room is upside down? It bothers me. Yeah, it does bother you. You're the mom. It bothers you that it's a mess. The nine-year-old boy, with all, unless it's a, a unique kid, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to him. He can live in a mess for the next like 10 years until he gets whatever, until he goes to school or gets married or whatever. He, he's, he's okay with the mess. I don't get it. I don't understand. How could you live this way? It's a mess. We take ourselves and we put ourselves in someone else and we're like shocked and bothered. How in the world does God run this world? Doesn't he know? And what this thing that is called the comparison fallacy does for us is it puts our perspective at risk 24-7. We're always at risk of being disappointed. We are always going to be disappointed always because the world doesn't exist through our minds and as a result 10 20 30 100 times a day someone's going to disappoint you you wake up in the morning and you're not going to get the good morning that you want and you're going to start the day and it's going to be traffic whatever it is the world is not going to 
align to your mind 24-7. And then if you listen to any type of news, you have to understand that news makes its money through uh, getting you to listen. And it is a lot easier to get you to listen for negativity than positivity because negativity scientifically is going to have you focus. It's based on your survival, your amygdala. And so if you have a choice between good news and bad news, bad news will keep you listening. And if you stay listening, advertisers like it. If advertisers like it, the guy who runs the show keeps his job. So you could be sure that if you listen to the news every day, you're going to get more negative than positive. That's how life works. The world around you is not going to deliver for you in the way that you need. Or should I say better? Let me stop. Let me correct that. Let me, like in the old days, let me white out. For those who know what whiteout is, let me white that sentence out. The world is not going to deliver to you that which you think you need. That's our reality. We need to take a breath with that for a second. We just need to take a breath and just breathe that in. Just how it works. As much as I'd like it to be otherwise, it's not. Every day, me and you will be disappointed every single day. Many times, lots of times during the day. That's what happens when you're not God. That's part of, I guess, the things that are not on our resume. We do not have the ability to dictate the world, although we wish we could. And what happens is, is that as soon as the world around us, whether it's people or society or whatever, and what's inside our heads don't match, as soon as there's a conflict, you know what's at risk? Our perspective. Now, when our perspective is down, you know what else goes down? Our energy. Exactly. So every single day, multiple times a day, what you and I are at risk at is the dropping and the blocking of our energy. We have it. The nuclear power plant is burning every day. God, every day brings you back your soul. That's what we say the prayer of Modani in the morning. Every day there is opportunity for us to bring the energy that is given to us every single day into the world around us, light the place up. However, every day, our perspective will be disappointed. And as a result, if we're not preparing ourselves, we will block because of disappointment and frustration and anger. We will block that energy from flowing. No one should think for a second that I have this mastered at all. I don't got this mastered at all. We are all in the same exact boat. We should be able to talk it through a little bit, you know? I need, need someone to talk to about this. That's, that's life. That's life. And the choice we make every day in life is whether or not when something happens that we don't want to happen, even the smallest thing, whether or not we We'll figure out a way to keep the energy flowing. I remember reading a story, a 
heartbreaking story of the hospitals in downtown New York during, during Hurricane Sandy. I think NYU was down there and they had the NICU, right? The, the neonatal, right? The, 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 the ICU for the little, little kid, the, the neo ICU. You know what I'm talking about, you know what NICU is. So the NICU, and during Hurricane Sandy, Hurricane Sandy devastated New York in some cases. And it basically, the power went out in the hospital. You can imagine these little children hooked up to ventilators and machines. Can you only imagine? God forbid. And they had these incredible stories of these heroic nurses, really. I don't know who these ladies are, but God bless, really. Heroic nurses that would breathe into um, these handheld ventilator tubes to keep the breath in these children. And they would walk them upstairs because there was one room that had a, had a, had a, uh, had a generator. They ended up, I think, saving, I think, most of the children. But you can imagine the head of the hospital afterwards getting together and saying, the energy's got to flow. Like, just think about the, the, the concept. Electricity needs to flow to the NICU no matter what whether it's a bright sunny day or we're getting hit with a hurricane, we can never let our hospital and especially that department ever not have energy. So they had to design systems, which they did. They moved the, the, the electricity to the top of the building. They created generators and backup generators and backup generators. They created safe rooms. And from what I read, they created this entire plan to make sure that no matter what, that NICU was going to have energy because if you've got little kids that need to be hooked up to machines, you got to figure out a way to bring the energy. You can't wake up one morning and go, oh no, it's a blackout. The system's overloaded. Sorry. Like, I know we were saving your life on a machine, but like, whatever. The world isn't responding the way we set up the world to be. We set up our systems to be like this. We're doing the best we can. It doesn't work like that. You figure it out. You always need electricity in the NICU. God is telling us every single day, you always need empowerment into your system. Every single day, there is a task for you to do in this world. I do not open your eyes because the goal of your life is not just eat, drink, and watch sports. The goal of your life is not just eat, drink, procreate, and let's do it again. Pay bills, make bills, pay bills, make bills. What are you kidding me? That's why we're on this earth? Just to like not die for a hundred and some white years? We're on this earth just to like what? Get by? Have a little bit of fun? That's the whole reason why we're here? Like the whole system is built for just people to like not die? Every second of every day, we get jobs to do, my friends. We get jobs, jobs. That person you married was given to you. That kid you got was given to you. That job, that life, that disappointment. That's all, that's all we're on this earth. We're on this earth to fix the things that are put before us. And if, you get, if we get a moment to breathe, maybe it's to take a little bit more on our plates. We can't do it without energy. We can't breathe without the ventilator. We can't do it 
unless the systems are working. If it's a blackout, we're out. Which means we got to figure out a way to bring the energy, even if our perspective says, no, not the way it's supposed to be. We have to design our own methods so that we never feel disempowered. It can go up, it can go down, we can have great, fine. But the lights never go off. They can dim a little bit, but they can't go off. You can be on battery power sometimes, but you can't shut the phone off. That's what I believe Rabbi Nachman was saying by mitzvah gedola. It is a great mitzvah that he used to be. B'simcha tamid, always happy. Always happy means it is my job to be happy. Happiness is not, I don't mean happiness like the way we Westerners see happiness. That's not happiness. I'm talking about the spiritual definition of happiness, the Jewish not the Western, the Jewish, like the authentic Jewish, not the Judeo-Christian reference, the Jewish one, the one that came from the Middle East, the one that came from Israel or actually from Sinai, that one, that one's empowered. Excellent, Michael. It's empowered. Empowered, not like, don't worry, be happy. Empowered. Empowered. We have to always be empowered. It means we have to go into this world and know that I may be disappointed. And in my disappointments, I need more power, not less power. It means that I have to get to go through my day and I'm not God. And guess what? I have to remind myself a lot that in fact, some of the greatest frustrations that I had became the greatest blessings that I had. So how about I just appreciate it early? As opposed to me having to look back after that disappointment became a blessing, why don't I just go, wait, let me just assume it's going to be a blessing when it first hits me. I got to think about these things. I got to anticipate these things. I have to begin. So I want to give everybody an exercise to do for the next 10 days. We think we've done this before. But I'm going to tell you that if you, I, I tried this every day. I try, I try to try it every day. It's really hard. But I believe this is the pathway to greatness. It's a good exercise for a period of time. And if you take this seriously, I think it'll really make a big difference in your life. I mean this with all my heart. If you take this seriously. Again, the goal of the show is not rah-rah. I'm not trying to do this every day so that we can have some inspiration. The goal of the show is action and change. I'm going to give you an exercise. I'm going to try to do it myself. And we're going to meet in a week and a half or whatever. And hopefully we'll be able to share how we do. There's a word in Hebrew. If you know Hebrew, maybe say it. If not, you could say it in English. There's an expression in Hebrew called gam zu letova. What this means is this too is for good. Meaning if I see a challenge, I say, this challenge, this challenge is also good. Not the next one will be good. This one's bad. No, this thing's good. My kid's having a temper tantrum. This is good. I get frustrated here. This is good. I'm stuck here. This being stuck is good. Gam Zulutova means 
write it down, G-A-M-Z-U-L-E-T-O-V-A. If you could say it in Hebrew better, get an expression. It's good for your brain. It's new words, so your brain will attach to it. It's not just say this too for good. Whatever you're doing for the next 10 days, one time a day, all I ask, one time a day for the next 10 days, one time a day, when you feel frustration, energy starts to drop. The blocks, you see like the, you know, the, the, you know, the pumps start to, you know, start, stop working. Energy drop. You know, everything's going, pumps are working, oil's being pulled up into the gas tanks, and all of a sudden, I want you to look at it and say, I don't know how. I don't know why. Gam zu This too will be good. Or better, this too is good. Watch your brain start to look for the good. Watch. Just watch how you're going to find the linings. Watch how you're going to look back in a week and go, oh, wow, that was pretty good. I did pull something out of myself I didn't have before. Or I reacted in a way that really made a difference because I was empowered in a tough moment. Sukkot is about happiness. Happiness is about perspective. Perspective is about understanding that we don't run this world. That's what we sit in booths for. Because God's like, you don't run this world. My blessing is that we become people that are always empowered. Always, as they say, besimcha. Try it. Gam, say it with me. Zu letoba. All right. Chag Sameach, happy Sukkot. With God's help, I cannot wait to see a more empowered, happier group together afterwards. Chag Sameach.